That's all good. <laughs> well, great. Awesome. Well, we are moving on, on to a new topic uh, called Jesus, Our Hope. What a great topic, I think, you know. There's so much you can say, and over the next few weeks, we'll be saying as much as we can say about that topic. You know, in our world today, there's a lot of people hoping for things. You know, but there's a kind of hope that is based on nothing but wishful thinking. You know, quite often we say things, don't we, you know? Some of us rushing in the morning, I hope I get to work on time. You know, I hope I don't miss my bus. You know, those sort of things, we just hope, 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 hope. You know, and, and if I was to ask you right now, you know, what are you hoping for next year? I'm sure you'd all have something. I think number one on our list would probably be, let's get rid of this virus thing, all right? <laughs> I think we'd all agree on that, that's for sure. So there's lots of things that we can put our kind of thoughts to in the way of hope, but it's not actually based on anything that could bring a change. But the hope that we're talking about this morning is a hope that is built on something, and it can be trusted, and uh, it comes with a guarantee, <laughs> because the other hopes don't. But we know from the Word of God, everything that Jesus spoke was true. We know from the Word of God, the build-up to Jesus' life, and His death and resurrection. We can read from, and have confidence because of what is written in the past, that it the future is going to be no different. So we have a hope that God has brought us a Savior, and He has indeed. You know, as we look at this whole thing of hope, we've seen a great demonstration this morning in this time of baptisms of, of uh, the two that came forward um, with hope. What an amazing testimony, guys. Good testimony. Great testimony, Stephen. I've, I've never heard Stephen's say so much. That's good. <laughs> He's pretty quiet normally, but that was great. That was touching because that is the power of God. That is the power of hope. That is the message that we are here to declare. That is the message we are called to declare out in our world. And that's why I want to bring this scripture this morning to you from 1 Peter 3.15 because it talks about this very thing. And if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, just turn to passage 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But it says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to everyone who asks you a reason of the hope in you with meekness and fear. Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. You know, I'm telling you, Stephen, you're going to be speaking to a lot of people about the hope that is in you. I can tell that. And the same, sorry, I've forgotten your name. Heisha, yeah, also, because something special happened to you this morning and you can't keep that quiet. When you've got something going on the inside, it just naturally comes on the outside. Whether that's good or bad or indifferent, there's a reaction inside always comes out on the outside. I know when I became a Christian, I couldn't keep myself together. <laughs> you know, I was like, I felt like I was walking on cloud nine. I remember going to work that day and it's like, yeah, I'm bouncing, you know. I bounce a bit anyway, but I was more bouncy than normal. And uh, people go, what is he on? What did you have for breakfast? <laughs> And I said, I had Jesus. And, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's the best thing you can have to start your day. And uh, I've never looked back. And it's been like, I don't know what it is, 35 perhaps years or something without doing the uh, calculation. And, hey, I may have my ups and downs. None of us are perfect, but, you know, we know the per one who is perfect. 
and we can look to Jesus for a hope. You know, don't, you know, some people, um, because of my position as a pastor here with my wife, both pastors, sometimes you come to us with hope that we've got all the answers. Well, we don't, but we do know someone that does. Amen? <laughs> so we're going to just direct you uh, that way. We may have some wise words that we could make up. And uh, <laughs> no, truly, uh, but that's just a bit of humor there for those that don't know me. Uh, but the truth is that we do know the one who holds the answers. So when we come to us for wise words, we're going to go to God's word. We're going to draw it from there because his words gives us hope and he gives us the truth. You know, uh, all true hope is built on a solid foundation. As I said, you can't just hope for something and it's going to happen. Hope in Jesus, you can be assured it will happen in what he has said in his word. In fact, Jesus gives a parable in Matthew chapter 7 uh, about building your house on solid rock, your life on a solid rock. It says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken them to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain came down, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on a rock. And everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them shall be compared to a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain came down, and the floods came, and the wind blew and the beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Hope, true hope, is built on a rock. That rock is Jesus Christ. Anything else is built on sand and will fall away. You know, how many people go like this? Oh, I just hope this will come through or this will do. Yeah, what's this about? I mean, what, what does that do? <laughs> that does nothing. It's not based on anything. It's just wishful thinking. But we want to be based on something that is solid, and that is the Word of God and His truth. That's what we do. We build on a solid foundation. We build on a solid foundation. You know, um, when I built my first house, I was very hands-on. I actually designed it as well, and I was there every step of the way checking up on the builders to make sure they're doing the right job, and boy, I found they made a few mistakes and uh, called them back and all that, but I was right onto the job. But I learned a lot in that time, and everyone looks at the house, the structure on top, but many, many people don't go into the house and look at the footings, the, the, the foundations, but it's the foundations that holds everything together. And uh, so when I was doing this building course, uh, looking at all this stuff, they told us a bit about how the engineer does all their, you know, workings out and how thick the concrete's got to be and uh, rods, reinforcement rods and all that's got to be put in there to hold it all together to make a solid foundation so the house will stand. So you can have the strongest brick wall house, but if the foundation's no good, it'll just break away. And uh, what fascinated me was the fact of how many rods go in before they pour the concrete. I never really saw that before. We went out to a building site and they had all these rods, you know, big thick rods and things, and they pour the concrete on because the rods have the job of holding the concrete together. You may think concrete's hard, but it can crack, as our lives can crack. So if we do not place our hope in something that is stronger than ourselves, we will crack. And if you do not have concrete with rods in it, it's going to crack. It's going to fall apart. And uh, I just feel sorry for uh, some people that may have built with a certain builder. I don't know who it was, but I heard this horrifying story about this guy who used to do the footings. He used to be the guy who used to come in and put all the rods there ready for the concrete to pour. And then the inspector would come out to make sure all the rods are in place, have a look, and it's all good. 
and uh, then he gives the okay for the concrete guy to come in and pour the concrete. Well, there used to be a bit of a span of time before the concrete guy rocked up, and this guy, when I was looking, he'd pull his rods out again and put them back onto his car. They reckon he had the same rods for four years. <laughs> so if your house is falling apart, uh, you know, that might be the problem. With uh, Who knows? But what I'm saying out of that, you know, without those reinforcement rods of hope, we've got no real solid foundation to stand on. Jesus is our foundation. He is the rods that keep us together. He is our hope. It's, uh, it's on this hope and truth we build our lives. You know, we build on that foundation. For Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Isn't that good to know that Jesus doesn't change? Isn't it good to know we can trust Him? Unlike us, you know, we change. And, oh, I'm going to get myself in trouble if I say that. I'm just thinking of saying something. Um, I'll try to put it nicely. How do I put it nicely? Uh, girls have are more emotional. How's that? Is that okay? <laughs> so I find they change a lot. Their hairstyles, you know, every five minutes, uh, clothes, and uh, uh, us guys are pretty simple, aren't we? Just like throw something on, rub our hands through our hair, that's it, you know, we're done. And, uh, <laughs> but there's those changes, and so, you know, like, you just got to pick the days when you're, you're dealing with something, you know, with uh, women. I'm being very careful here. Aren't I? <laughs> I just notice there's certain days that are different from others, so let's just not go there any further. But, but what I want to get out of that is that people change in their mannerisms and ways depending on what they're going through, what they're doing, and uh, I think I got myself out of that one. And, uh, <laughs> but the thing with Jesus is Jesus remains the same. So when you go to Jesus, you know what you're up for. You know he's not going to change. You know what he has said, what he has spoken. His word is all documented in the Bible. The Bible is the words of Jesus. And we know we can go there in our times of distress, and we will find hope in him. We can look in his word, and we go, this is the answer. I, you know, I, I, Jesus is the answer here. I need to look into his word to get that answer. So there's only one we can really trust. You know, I'd like to think you trust me to a certain degree, but I'm not perfect, so you're going, oh, yeah, I see you're all disappointed when I said that. <laughs> uh, I'm not perfect by any means, so I never say trust me, trust him. I'm here to ref try to reflect him, and so should you, and that's what the scripture uh, is all about. See, if we don't build on a solid rock, we don't build on the words of Jesus, the only thing we're left to do is to build on the world. And the world is a mess. How can you build on this? You know, you, you're constantly hearing people saying the world's gone crazy. What, how can you build on the world? Like, it doesn't even know where it's going. It has different thoughts, feelings, facts, this. Everything's just chaotic. You can't build on that because it's forever changing. You know, uh, the world is, Jesus said the world is lost. So why would you even want to attempt to build on that or be joined to that? You know, uh, unfortunately, the world needs a saviour. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came as our saviour. Because we certainly need one. You know, we have uh, lots of things going, like I said, crazy things. Last week, Sharon and I and uh, a few of the boys, Zach and Shannon, and, and uh, who else was there? There was James. Uh, we stood on the steps of Parliament in protest of this bill that they're trying to pass through 
where it would allow women to have an abortion to birth. You know, and uh, I think, how could you do that? You know, there's been horror stories where this is allowed around the world, where a baby has actually been born totally healthy, and they allow it to sit there and die because the woman has chose not to keep it. I don't think, how could a world get that bad? And yet it has. And that's why the world needs Jesus. And we stood on those steps and protested. We were there a couple hours, and there was a few others there holding up signs just talking about that very thing. And uh, it was quite interesting because the, the boys were on the left of me, and we're doing the social distancing to keep everyone happy. And uh, it was nothing to do with BO or anything. But, uh, <laughs> but it was it's what you feel like, isn't it? Don't you think you feel like that when someone suddenly moves away from you? Like, there you go. All right. That's the kind of... Uh, I had a lady in the shops the other day. Uh, I was with my daughter just buying some stuff. And, um, you know, they put those dots on the ground, you know. And uh, there I'm standing on my dot. I think that's, I suppose, that's what you're supposed to do. I don't know. And we're chatting away. And this woman, this old lady with a mask on, came walking up, not really noticing where she was. And she got really close to me. And, uh, and I didn't have a problem because I'm not worried about this stupid virus thing. And, um, and I turn and she looks and she goes, oh, I shock her. Oh, I'm sorry. She jumps back like this. And I said, it's okay, they're not going to shoot you. You know, it's not a target, you know. But this is where people have got to that position. But anyway, uh, getting back to my story, <laughs> we're on the steps of Parliament, and these young boys are talking to uh, this lady, and she says, oh, this is so encouraging to see young people coming out and making a stand for what is right. And I said, yeah. I said, look, we would have had a lot more, but a lot of them had to work and things like that. Uh, but this lady actually having a conversation with these guys, you know, this is good to see the young ones coming out. And she says this to the young guys, she goes, but where's your pastors? And they said, right there. What? <laughs> she was surprised to see pastors out there. We had a couple other pastors as well, but it's, we all need to get involved with this. So I want to encourage you to um, look into that because there will be a big march being planned for that. We need to push back because our hope in, is in the truth of words of Jesus and life is important to God and life should be important to us. You know, we've got all sorts of crazy things going on right now in our world, not to mention Victoria's bill on, um, it's really an attack on the Christian lifestyle. It basically is, just to give you a little snippet, basically if the bill went through, uh, if somebody came to me and said, look, I, can you pray for me? I'm kind of a bit confused about my gender and all the stuff that's going on at the moment. And if I said, sure, I can do that, that bill would allow later for me to be uh, possibly fined $5,000 or 10 years imprisonment just for praying for somebody, even if they've asked me to pray for them. This is what's going through Victoria at the moment. So you'll see some evil stuff, and people need to know the truth and the hope that is out there. And you won't find that in the world. You'll find that in Jesus. That's why we need to give people hope. That's why it says do not forsake, you know, uh, these times of sharing and getting together. And um, we should have the confidence too to know that God is for you. God is not there trying to hit you over the head. God is for you and with you. And he's so, uh, so open to try and bring you into his truth and to his love that he has for one another. It says in 1 Peter 3.12, uh, the verse up from the one we've been dealing with, it says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. God's eyes are on you, and he's open to your prayers. 
But you know what it does say in that passage? It says, on the righteous. What does the righteous as soon as we use that word righteous, we kind of think, oh, somebody's stuck up, you know, it's kind of like, oh, you're righteous, aren't you? It's not referring to that in that sense. A righteous one is a person that has given their life to Jesus. They realize they need a Savior. They've given their life over to Him, and they've repented of their sin, and they've changed their life. Like we've seen today with Stephen and, oh, I've forgotten the answer. <laughs> Sorry. And, uh, we, we need to understand that um, this is God is for us and not against us. So in this passage, it says, eyes are on the, of the Lord are on his righteous. That means those that have given their life to Jesus, those have realized their sin and repented of them. This is the place that God wants everyone in. God doesn't want you to go through all this suffering and pain. That's, that was brought in by the sin of the world entering in. It says in, uh, in, um, in Genesis, it says, all of creation was affected by that moment. By that moment of disobedience to God, all of creation were, was affected. Do you wonder why this world is so crazy? And uh, it's for that one reason, and that continues. But for those that are righteous, those that have given their life to Jesus Christ, those that have repented of their sin and come into right relationship with Him, it says the eyes of the Lord are on you. Isn't that comforting that God is with you, no matter what craziness is going on in this world, that God is with you, and He opens His ears to your prayers. So you should have confidence to pray. You should have confidence to go, my, well, that's me. I, I, I'm a believer. I give my life to Christ. God hears me. God sees me. I've got hope that he hears me. And if we've got that hope, that should open up a whole new world to you because so many people going around, even Christians, like, don't pray. They just say, oh, you know, I think God's too busy to hear from me. You know, have you heard that kind of thing? That kind of thing, uh, you know, yeah, I don't want to bother God. He's got a lot on his plate. And... <laughs> God can hear your... You don't limit God. Don't, you're limiting God. God is bigger than all that. And I will give you an opportunity at the end of this meeting too to actually become a believer if you have never made that decision. Every one of us will be faced with that uh, one way or another. And uh, Romans 10.9 actually spells out what that looks like and what these guys did this morning where it says... Uh, if you confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So God in his own word gives us hope that we will be saved if we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. If we, if we believe that in our heart, not just a, a textbook knowledge, but we actually believe that. And it has to be a, a belief in itself. And that's what these guys have done this morning. They've actually given their life to Jesus. They made a confession you know, that's what it is. You confess that you believe in Jesus. Let's not be shy about that. That is the only uh, ticket for eternity you're ever going to get. You know, this life may pass away, but God shall remain. Jesus will remain, and we will remain in spirit with him. And so we need to understand that this is not where it's all happening. It's, this is just like a, a short period of time in your eternity. Where you spend eternity will be up to the decisions you make today. You know, we all have a decision. God is not a bully. God does not bully into making decisions. He presents the truth, and it's for you to receive. If you choose to ignore, well, God can't help you because he's not going to twist your arm to believe. But we do know that the Bible is very clear right through there that God has made a heaven for his creation, for his believers. 
But, he ha- he, but the devil, who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, as Sharon said earlier, is the enemy, and God has made a place called hell for him. But if people choose to follow him rather than God, well, that's your decision. Nobody goes to hell by uh, mistake. It's by choice, as it is to heaven. It's by choice. You must make a choice, a decision to follow him. You know, one guest speaker we had three years ago, Fergus McIntyre, says this, if you haven't reached anyone for the gospel yet, the good news of Jesus Christ, then the gospel hasn't reached you. That's an encouraging word for all believers. If you haven't reached anyone for the gospel yet, then the gospel hasn't reached you. If Jesus touched your life, then you will want to tell others. You know, when I was in the workplace, I brought many people to Christ. Just tell them, you know. And it's not just telling them. It's not like you go up there with your Bible and bash them over the head and say, hey, listen to me. Listen up. <laughs> it's not like that. They can see it in your life. They can see how you deal with them, how you've changed, how you care about them, you know, and, and all these things. And so it's, it's not so much as words but doing. It's like a doing and words together. It's not just words. It's, it's a doing. It's like, you know, uh, putting your mouth and actions together in one. So if Jesus touched your life, then you'll want to t- touch others. And this is what Paul says. The Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians 6, 19. And pray for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, so that, it, <coughs> that it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Here is the Apostle Paul saying, pray for me. We should also have that kind of attitude where we're saying, pray for me that I'll have words to speak when I go to work, that colleague I'm working with. Or when I go to school, that person I'm praying for, a friend of mine, I want them to know Jesus. Pray for me that I'll have boldness. Pray for me that I'll have an opening. You know, we don't do enough of that. I think we forget. We do it for a while, then we forget. We need to constantly be praying for some that don't know Jesus. They don't have the hope that we have. We need to share that because that's, that's what the Scripture tells us to do. The Scripture tells us to, to be bold and to step out and make known the words of Jesus. You know, people say, I'm scared to witness. I'm scared to say I believe in Jesus. I've known people that hide the fact. I just like the ones that are opposite the bold, like I'm a believer, you know, T-shirts. I believe in Jesus, you know. They're, they're not scared. They're not scared to do that. It's the devil that wants to make you feel like you can be an idiot if you wear anything like that. But I was, I was encouraged by, it's quite a sad story, but it's, it's a true story of uh, Thomas... Hudson, 1558. You think it's tough, like, to just to share that. In the 1500s in England, they're being persecuted. They're being burned at the stake for their belief because uh, of their stance for Jesus. And there's a a book called The Book of Martyrs, which actually gives you an account of all these people that died. And my brother was doing a bit of research and found out one of my family members was in that in 1558, I think it was, somewhere around there as well. He was pulled before the courts and said, you know, denounce Christ and we'll let you go free. And he said, no way. He burned at the stake, I think, from what I understand. Well, it's like this guy. The story goes, this guy, Thomas Hudson, was told to recant or burn as he was led to the stake and a chain was placed over him. But before it was pulled tight, because they chained him to a stake, before it was pulled tight, he slipped it over and it went down to the ground. Like suddenly, people are going, what is he doing? Has he, has he changed his mind? Is he going to recant now? Because he's pulled the chains off. 
And since the last minute of doubt and fear had crept into him, that's why he goes, I can't go through this. He pulled the chain off him and he went down to his knees and he started praying. He said, after praying, God gave him strength and he said, now thank you, God, I am strong. I don't care what man can do to me. It said that going, he turned around, went to the stake and chained himself up and there he was set on fire. He had total confidence, complete hope in Jesus. He knew that no man could take that relationship away. That is one of many. Uh, there's some incredible stories when you read that book of what went on. People stand there because they knew and trusted in Jesus. They had a hope in him. I hope it will never get like that again, even though I know the Bible predicts as the end days get drawn near the persecution of Christians again. But where will you stand? Is your hope in Jesus or is it hope in, a, in this world? I'm telling you, there's no hope in, in this world at all because this world is lost. But you are called to be the hope to others. Jesus said you are the light of the world. In Matthew 5, 14, it says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do men light a lamp and put it under a grain measure, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. If we have Jesus, we have hope this morning. And of course, the key is that we have Jesus. This whole period of Christmas time is we come together and we sing songs. You know, I, I'm amazed when I used to go to some of the big carol events. People will sing the, the great carols that we know and describe us uh, uh, born this day as Savior. And also they sing the words, but they don't understand that a Savior was actually born for them. They do not understand the words they're singing. So I pray this morning that from God's word, what has been spoken, that your eyes have been opened, that you understand there is hope in Jesus Christ, that he is the only hope. There is no hope. We can't hope in anyone else. We can't hope in our government. We can't hope in any, anyone. They're doing the best they can with what they've got, but there is only one person you can hope in. And this morning, I just want you to close your eyes as we come to a close, because I want to give you that opportunity I said earlier that, uh, that you would know Jesus Christ. And to know him is invite him into your life is a simple prayer of repentance. Repentance means to change your direction you are traveling. Because it says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us in this room and this planet have done the wrong thing to God. We'll go in the wrong way. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God sent his only son to take your place pay for your sin and all he asks is that you would acknowledge that you'd come before him and a simple prayer and say father forgive me forgive me for the, the sin in my life I want to change today I want to live for you I pray that you accept me now in Jesus name it's a simple little prayer and as I've been talking, perhaps the Holy Spirit, God Himself, will speak to you. Start giving you a little nudge. You need to do this. You know, He's calling to you. He can't make you do anything. He won't. But He just so wants you to grasp the love He has for you and what He's done for you. And if you acknowledge that, He says that you will be in eternity with me forever. So this morning, 
with every head bowed, eye closed, I want to ask you this most important question. Have you made your life right with God? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If not, you have an opportunity right now to acknowledge that. And just so I know, because I want to pray for you, just raise your hand wherever you are, and I'll just pray that one prayer. We're not here to embarrass you, but we want to make sure that you're going to heaven, that you're going to spend eternity with Him. So if that's you, just put your hand up while nobody's looking, and you can put it back down again just so I can see, because I want to know who I'm praying for. Or perhaps this morning you once did this. As a child, you went to church, and you are a believer, but you grew up and you fell away. Or perhaps you're not even sure. It doesn't matter. Let's make sure you're sure. And this morning, that's what we're asking you to do. Give me an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For those that received him, the word tells us that we don't just keep it to ourselves. We need to share that hope that is in us. We are called to be witnesses for Him. Once again, as 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the reason of your hope. Are you ready? So you walk out of this place and we go, where have you been today? You say, church. Oh, why'd you go there? What would you say? In the workplace, in the schools, wherever you are, are you ready? Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for your word. We thank you that we can have confidence in Jesus. For he is our only hope. He is our truth. He is our way. He is the light. Father, I pray today that we experience the love of God in a greater way that as we start to beam on the inside, it will beam out of us. That we'll reach others. We have opportunities. You'll bring people along our way that we can share the gospel, that we can share that hope that is in us. So Father, today, I pray your hand be upon everyone here. Encourage them in boldness for the days ahead that they may be your true witnesses they may experience the fullness of what it's like to know God so Father we thank you and we give you all the glory in Jesus mighty name